0: Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at TradersPointChurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We are going to continue our study through the book of Romans this morning in Romans chapter 9. If you have a Bible handy, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 9, we're going to pick up there. Over the past several weeks, we've been studying through the book of Romans chapter by chapter, and this morning, we're going to be in chapter 9. So, Jeremy, as we begin the conversation here this morning, we we talked last week about how chapter 8 is one of those well-known chapters in the book of Romans. It was also one of the longer chapters in the book of Romans, which made it a little bit challenging to cover uh, in 30 minutes, but nonetheless... As we get into chapter 9, where do you see Paul taking the conversation here with the Christians in Rome?
1: I think a lot of times, a lot of ways in chapter 9, he almost, to me, is directing, especially the first part of the chapter, at the Jews specifically certainly towards the end, when we'll certainly get into it, he, he starts pulling everybody in. And that, that's in a lot of ways what the whole book of Romans has been. I mean, the yeah. whole book has been, hey, let's pull everybody let's pull uh-huh. everybody together. Now he's done that by talking to the Jews specifically. He's done that by talking to the Gentiles uh, individually even. And I think now, certainly here at the very beginning of this chapter, he's kind of doing that again. He's He's talking to the Jews individually. He may be whether he's dealing with maybe some specific things he's heard, or he's kind of cutting it off in the past mm-hmm. a little bit, he's almost dealing with maybe these are some thoughts that you're having, or maybe some feelings that you're having—the less than feelings mm-hmm. that you know for generations you were at the height of you know God loves us and God loves us maybe more than everybody else, mm-hmm. and now this book has kind of laid the groundwork that you know that may have seemingly been the case. For you, but in reality, for all time, that's never been the case. God Mm -hmm. has always had his love for everybody, and that was always the plan, to show mercy to everyone, the Jews included, but the Gentiles included as well. And is this going to be? A, is this a difficult pill to swallow? Mm-hmm. Well, sitting yep. through in the New Testament, we know it was. Yep. I mean, it was a difficult pill to swallow. And so, I think he's he's coming back to some of that stuff. He's hit at some of it already, but now he's coming back to it a little bit to kind of walk through and wade through those waters a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and I think the word inclusive that you use there is a really important one. And really, as you look through the Book of Romans, it's a key part of Romans all the way through. When in the first few chapters, it, it, he was talking about the inclusivity and the fact that we have all sinned and everyone has been lost because of their sin, and all of us have broken that relationship, that bond with God through sin. And then he talks about the great blessings in Christ that all of us can have, that we can all be a part of the family of God. And now he's going to continue that here in chapter 9 where he talks about the promise that was made through Abraham and how all of us can be a part of that. And so there is this this idea of inclusivity that is really throughout the book of Romans in each of these aspects that Paul is talking about. He wants them to recognize, and and we've talked about this a lot, he wants them to recognize that it's no longer about the bloodline. Right. That goes with sin, that goes with the blessings in Christ, that goes with the promise through Abraham. It's no longer about the bloodline. And, and to your point, I think sometimes as you study through Romans, and not just Romans, but as you mentioned, some of Paul's other epistles, you can almost get to this point where it's like, Paul, you're beating a dead horse here. I mean, come on, we get it. But, but I think that does go to the show just how difficult this was for probably both the Jews and the Gentiles sure. on some level, but certainly for the Jews, to really recognize that and, and to not only see the Gentiles as now their brothers and sisters, but to truly treat them that way, to truly treat them as fellow heirs in Christ. I think that was a real challenge for them. And I think there's even some application for us today, and we can talk a little bit about this, but, but certainly we, we may not have the struggle with a bloodline situation that they did back then, but I think we'd be fooling ourselves if, if we think that sometimes there isn't a struggle within the church to involve and include everyone from all different backgrounds and walks of life. That, that, that certainly is a struggle even today. And I think this Jew-Gentile dynamic that Paul is dealing with can be a good example as to how we navigate those waters.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's almost, especially the first you know four or five verses it's almost as if paul is saying listen don't don't feel sorry for yourself and mm-hmm. and maybe the jews that's what i'm saying whether he's dealing with some things that he's heard or he's just kind of cutting these these ideas off before they really start to take root but it it comes across as listen now, now don't feel sorry for yourself right. you know don't feel sorry for yourself that you've done something wrong or you know that you know that this was you know you guys have messed up so god has had, had to change his plan you know, don't do not do any of those things, that this was the plan from the get-go. Mm-hmm. There was still, don't take away from the importance that the Israelites and the role that they played. Don't take away from that. Don't take away from the importance and the role that the old law played. Right. All of that was important. The relationship that God had with the Israelites, that was important. Romans does not diminish the importance of that. And, and, and so he's telling the Jews, it's not as if any of those things are unimportant. And now you're kind of sitting back thinking, well, what was all that for? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not not the idea. The idea is it was all a part of the plan from the very, very beginning. And it's not as if you're being pulled out of God's blessings Mm -hmm. in the scope of God's blessings. That's not the point at all. It's that that scope of God's blessings ultimately was much broader than they ever imagined. And maybe most importantly from this chapter, that's a very
0: good thing,
1: not a bad thing or a a worse thing than what they even had before. It is a great thing and a better thing thing Mm -hmm. than what they even had before
0: and and there is we we talked about going back to the last few chapters we talked about how important faith is in all of this and that's going to come into play here in chapter 9 as well but there is an element of faith that is is woven throughout what paul has to say here in chapter 9 because what he's he's making the point to these people you may not necessarily see how all of this works and it's not necessarily your job to see how all of this works. There there is an element of faith required here. You need to trust God's plan. And as you pointed out, this was his plan from the beginning. And Paul uses the example of going all the way back to Abraham and Sarah to talk about that, that this is how God designed it from the beginning. When that promise was made to Abraham, this is how he saw it unfolding. You need to have faith in that. You need to trust God and his sovereignty in regards to how he's going to deal with man. And so I think sometimes you know we can we can get ourselves in a situation where you know we don't necessarily think we're playing God per se but we do want to be intimately involved in all of the decision making. Oh, right, right. And when we put ourselves in that situation in essence we're showing that we don't fully trust God that I need to be involved in these decisions. I need to be shown what's going to happen here before I can really trust the plan that's being put before me. And what Paul is showing them and I think us as well is that True faith means you need to allow God to handle these things and to direct them in the way that he sees fit. And that means sacrificing some of your own self-will in order to allow God to fulfill his promises. Yeah,
1: you know, and if it isn't being intimately involved in all the decision-making process or processes, it is at the very least, I need to have all the information at of time. Right. And yep. if, you know, if you give me all the information ahead of time, now I am able to kind of work through this. I mean, we'll get into a little bit, you know, deeper into this chapter, but mm-hmm. towards the back end, the middle back portion of this chapter I mean that point Paul's going to make that point ultimately God is in control yeah. and, and ultimately I mean, listen he can do what he wants because uh-huh. he is that much in control of, of the world he is that much in control of man he gets to make the decision yeah. who gets mercy he gets to make the decision where his wrath goes he gets to call the shots, he gets to put in the parameters, mm-hmm. he gets to do all those things and he doesn't have to even tell us he right. doesn't have to give all the information. He does not because he's God. And so when you see this beginning part here, it, it and you've made mention of it already, it is the focus in a lot of ways that goes back to Abraham and what Paul does here in Romans. He does it in Galatians. He does it mm-hmm. in, in other places. The Hebrew writer does it as well. And it is the focus of still the spiritual over the physical and that's always been the case for the jews it's it's the physical Mm -hmm. even though circumcision isn't mentioned here specifically the essence of it is still there is that their focus is on circumcision that very physical outward sign that i am god's Mm -hmm. but yet paul here and in other places constantly goes back that the key is not circumcision the key is the promise that's been made. And the promise that was made to Abraham, the father of the Jews, mm-hmm. included everybody. That is the key. Circumcision's not the key. That's the physical representation right. that the Jewish people had. The promise is the key. And when it comes to the promise, everybody is involved in that.
0: Yeah, I love the way he, he kind of transitions there in verse number 14. And following, I think it goes to what you were just talking about there. Where where God, where Paul says there, you know, speaking on behalf of God, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. And there is this sense of, listen, again, you have to recognize that this is God's decision, and God has made the decision through the promise that He made to Abraham, as you were just pointing out, that this is going to be available to everyone. That's the decision that God has made. He's going to have mercy on whom he's going to have mercy upon. And you need to be okay with that, Israel. You need to be okay with that. And the Gentiles, you need to be okay with that, and you need to be thankful for that. And There's this element of, of both, speaking to both sides, I think, once he gets down into this section. I think you're right. The beginning is, is very Israel-specific. But as he begins to get down into this a little bit deeper, I think it begins to have uh, some very significant application to both sides, so to speak that there, there, is, there is at play here something larger than both of you. This is God's decision that he has made, dating all the way back to the promise that he made to Abraham, whom he is going to have mercy upon. And there have been stipulations put on that, as we've already talked about, in ways in which we can become a fellow heir with Christ. And that is the way that God has designed it. Now, are you going to be okay with that or not? Uh, you get to decide whether or not you want to take part in all of this, but this is the way that God has set it up to be. And so there's, a, I think, a sense in which he's kind of putting them to a decision here uh, by, by pointing out that, again, God is sovereign, God is in control, God is the one making these decisions. Now, you get to decide whether or not you want to be a part of this family or not, but the element in which it was created, you have no say in that. That was God's decision. He gets to decide whom he's going to have mercy upon.
1: Yeah, verse 14 is really a great verse. I mean, it comes across... You know, is there unrighteousness with God? I mean, it comes across as a trap question, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, it is a trap question. And Mm -hmm. what Paul does is he goes all the way to the end with some of their concerns and gripes. I mean, he's saying, listen, you are the way that you're reacting and the way that you're dealing with this relationship that God has, not just with the Jews, but with all man, the way that you're reacting is that God has done something wrong. Right, and so he just cuts right to it. Is is that the case? Has God done something wrong? Is mm-hmm. there unrighteousness with God? And you know he answers he answers the trap question. No, no, no way. And the reason that that is, as you've said, and we can talk about it as we get into it here, God is God. It, it is the. It is the the parenting thing that we'll often use, you know, because I said so. Mm-hmm. I don't have to answer your whys. Yeah. It, it's because I am control. And I am in. I am the mm-hmm. parent. And when we use that idea a lot, and on the highest of level, that's what's happening right here. It's mm-hmm. a reminder that listen, God, He He is the one that calls the shots. Because everything here in this world, man included, is his. Yeah. And so ultimately, he, is, he, he calls the shots, he sets the parameters, he sets the guidelines, he sets the timeline, he sets everything. Mm-hmm. And so we're just in a position to say yes or no mm-hmm. to whatever he has set in place.
0: We see uh, a little bit of this playing out. You can go all the way back to the story of Job, in, in essence, where Job is kind of questioning everything that's happened to him And we get the sense there that God basically says, I don't have to answer your questions, Job. I I don't answer to you. But I I think all of us have been there. We've all been there at some point in our lives where we don't understand something. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a, a career shift. Maybe it's family issues. Maybe it's who knows what it could be. There could be a variety of different things when we take a step back. and We're like, God, why are you doing this? Why is this happening to me? Why is this the way that it is? And there is going to come a point when we have to come face-to-face with the realization of what he says there in, uh, in verse number 21. He's the, he's the potter. We're the clay. Therefore, he gets to do things the way that he wants to do them. And I don't have any power as the clay over the potter. And that's, that has to be a realization of a Christian. That there may be things in this life that we're not going to understand. And there may be things in this life that we have questions about. And there may be times where God is simply asking us to trust Him. You just have to have faith. That's what it's going to come down to, because He is the potter and we are the clay. And that's the way it's going to work. Now, that doesn't mean, I think, we can look throughout Scripture, and and God does a very good job of telling us everything that we need to know in order to be a child of His and to have that faith that we've been talking about. But that doesn't mean that there are going to be things in life that we're simply not going to understand. And we have to be okay with that as Christians, trusting that God has a plan, and that if I'm a faithful follower of His, that all things will work out for good in the end, and I will have a home with Him in heaven. And that's what really matters at the end of the day. And I think that's, that's the challenge that, that the, 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 the Christians here are facing as Paul's writing this, is are you going to be okay with that? Are you going to be okay with that? Do you see God as the potter and you as the clay? And if so, then you would allow Him to mold you and shape you the way that He wants to.
1: You know, we've made mention throughout this entire study over the last several weeks of the book of Romans that Paul, in putting this book together, I mean, it, it flows mm-hmm. so nicely. And it, I mean, it, it really builds from one chapter to the next. And when you start to go back and really think about everything that, that Paul has said, you know, here in the book of Romans, it, it, it is a... As God says to us, trust me in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, He He paints the picture at the very beginning that man has sin, and that is a big, big problem. Mm-hmm. But yet, as He goes through the middle section of the Book of Romans, it is, and this this is what I've done about that. Mm-hmm. And now I have made that wrath that will come upon those who suppress, you know, the truth. I have, I've done something about that. And here are the parameters that uh, allow you to free yourself from the law, to free yourself from sin, to free yourself from the wrath of God. And you put these things in place, faith, baptism, we've talked about walking according to the spirit. We've talked about, you know, all of those things. And now you do that and there there now there's a, an incredible relationship that mm-hmm. you can have with me and all of that is predicated on faith i mean all of it is i mean all of it is trust what god has said trust what god has done and and even though faith isn't you know mentioned 50 times in this chapter it, it is the entirety of this chapter yeah. i mean that's the entire illustration of, I am the potter, you are the clay. I mean, he uses it in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. you know, as well. It it is, the whole illustration is faith. It is the trust me, I am in complete control. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is reality. I mean, Paul presents it as reality. And so it's presented as reality. We now have to just, we've got to, Decide if we're going to mm-hmm. do that. A- am I willing to trust God completely here, or, or am I not? And then, you know, as the, you know, as the chapter kind of unfolds towards the end, I think there's an example given of, you know, some did that, yeah. trusted Him, yeah. but a lot didn't. Mm-hmm. And the ones that didn't trust Him, there's a big consequence that came. And it's still, even application-wise for us today, that remains Fact, Mm -hmm. We've got to trust the reality of who God is and what He has said. But if we don't, then there's going to be consequences going to come from that.
0: You mentioned that this illustration that he uses here about the potter and the clay is used in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah, he uses that in Jeremiah chapter 18. I think it's really interesting. I don't know necessarily that there is intended to be a direct correlation between these two illustrations, but I do think it's interesting that in Jeremiah, during that time period, he's talking to people who have looked at this situation as Israelites under the old law, and they've decided, we have a better way of doing things. And so as a result of that, they have filled the temple with idols, and they have gone their own direction, and they have rejected God in a lot of ways. And in the course of that, Jeremiah as a prophet is trying to show them, that is not your role in all of this. God is the one in control. You need to allow Him to mold you. And instead, what you are seeing is a nation of people who are trying to do the exact opposite. They're trying to take control of things and tell God how they want it done and to do it their own way. And man, when, when you fast forward to the 21st century, I think we're seeing that all over the place sure. where, where people have these roles reversed, where, where we are trying to be the ones that dictate the directions that we go and the things that are okay and the things that are not okay, the way the church is going to be structured, what we can do in worship, what we can't do, all of those things. Mankind is trying to take the reins on all of that. And when we do that, we are putting ourselves in the position that only God should hold as the potter. We don't have a say in those things. And So I think when we look at this, whether it's here in, in Romans 9 or going back to Jeremiah 18, this illustration is incredibly applicable for us today because we look around us and we see all over the place people who are trying to put themselves in the positions of the ones who are molding and shaping what truly only God should be allowed to mold and shape
1: our entire religious culture today is trying to speak for God. I mean, yeah. that that's the entire religious culture. It is, I think God wants this. Yeah. I think God would like this. I think God would be okay with this. Mm-hmm. I think God would like this better. I mean, what, whatever the case may be, any of those phrases is, is man trying to speak for God instead of, just allowing God to speak for himself. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's done. That's what, that's what he's given in the, in the Bibles that we have in front of us. He, he's spoken for himself. He doesn't yep. need man to speak for him. Yep. He, he doesn't need man to do anything. I mean, he doesn't need man to do anything for him. He does, certainly doesn't need man to speak for him. And the religious culture, religious landscape that we're in now, that we've been in for centuries, really, Mm -hmm. it it all comes down to somebody saying, I I think I'm going to speak for God here. And then when that happens, you've got another group of people that says, well, what you're saying makes good sense. I'm going to follow you. And now you've got a group over here doing something. Now that's going to happen again. Now you've got a group over here doing something. And it's just man speaking for God. And in Romans chapter 9... I mean, it just hammers down. We're not equipped to do that. I mean, we just can't. I mean, we can't do that. There's no speaking for God. There's one potter. That's it. That's God. He's the only potter. And he molds and he
0: demands
1: and he sets parameters as he sees fit. And we can try to step out of that, but again, every time we do that, there's consequences that are going to follow for sure.
0: In a lot of ways, that's what had happened with the old law. We see Jesus battling at every turn with the scribes and the Pharisees who have done exactly what you just described. They had taken the old law, and they had kind of used parts of it, but then they had added to it and changed it and, and perverted it and done all kinds of things to make it work for them, so to speak. And Jesus was battling them at every turn about that. And you see Paul here doing the kind of the same thing, even at the end of the chapter, when he, he points out that these Israelites for so many years now have been chasing after righteousness, but they've been chasing after righteousness through law. And they've neglected the faith that is needed to actually allow God to make you righteous. And that, man, again... I just see that all around us today. People who are chasing after righteousness by their own direction and their own ways. And instead of just sitting back and looking to God and saying, you direct me, you tell me through your word, you tell me the ways that you want me to go and what you want me to do. But so many times, and again, it's been throughout history. It's not just confined to our day and time, clearly, but throughout history. People have tried to direct their own paths. People have tried to go their own ways, to to skew and pervert and change what God has said in order to fit their lifestyle or to fit their choices better. And time and time again, we have seen that that is going to fail. That is not going to work in the end. It is up to us to live by faith, not to be the ones that try and direct our own steps.
1: Again, it just simply comes down to trusting God. I mean, it it comes across as pretty simple-sounding Yeah. Yeah. That, you know we've got God's word let's read it and follow. Right. even if we don't even if we don't fully comprehend the why mm-hmm. it's it, enough should be because God said it yeah. I mean, that that should yeah. be enough and I mean listen I mean his word is full of examples of that I mean, we we've, we've just got done with a vacation bible school you know here at at Trader's Point and we talked about you know the story of Joshua and Jericho and I mean it's a great example of they're they're coming up against this incredible city by way of size and the walls and everything and God says, hey, I'm going to give you this city, march around it. Right. I mean, it certainly gets a little bit more specific than that. But you don't, you don't see Joshua saying, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. Well, wow, wow, you know, we're going to do this. No, he, he just he goes around it. Mm-hmm. That That didn't make any sense. No. I mean, it didn't make any sense. But he trusted in God. And we see almost a little opposite <laughs> of that just, you know, that popped into my mind the story of Naaman and, you know, yeah. leprosy. And he's told, hey, you want to be free of your leprosy? You dip in the Jordan River seven times. That didn't make sense to him. Mm-mm. And he questioned it. Yep. And so he, he didn't. But then he, he goes back <laughs> and does. And ultimately he's, he's clean. And, and it still yeah. comes back to trusting mm-hmm. in God in his way. Ultimately, most people aren't going to do that. I think at the very end of this chapter, that point is going to be made. We just have to make sure I'm one of the ones that does. I can only answer for myself. And he's talking to the Jews here. He's talking to Mm -hmm. the Gentiles, certainly by the end of this chapter. Mm -hmm. And he's basically saying, I mean, we've got a couple of chapters left. We're starting to ramp down in the book itself. And we're getting very close to, you've got to make a decision Mm -hmm. on this. You've got to make a decision. God has done this. Now you've got to make a decision, and that's ultimately where we're getting to here towards the end of the chapter.
0: Yeah, I think you pointed out, as you get to the end of the chapter, I think he really kind of ties it all together when he he points out, as we've kind of already alluded to, that the Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith, but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. I think that, that really, that's it at the end of the day for a Christian. It, if, if we want to be righteous in the eyes of God, we have to seek that through faith. There is no amount of law-keeping that we can do to achieve that. that that's why Paul's already talked about it in, in, this, in this book about the grace that's been extended to us and the need to recognize Christ as our Savior and to be baptized into Him, and to take part in His death and His resurrection. Why? Because you can't do it yourself. Right. Like that that's the whole thing. You can't do this yourself. You have to seek it by faith. That's the only way that you're ever going to be made righteous by God, is to seek it by faith. And that that I mean that rings just as true today as it ever has before. If you want to be a child of God, you have to seek that through faith. Look into His Word, trust Him, and in obedience find righteousness through Christ. That's the way it's going to work. It's not going to work any other way. That's what he points out. I mean, you can try and do it by works if you want, but you will fail. That, that's the whole point of this. You will not succeed in that. The Jews are living proof of that. You need to be seeking this through faith. And again... Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a message that can be preached every day in our in our world today.
1: Yeah, and he says, you know, what, what is it that they struggled with? I mean, the end of verse thirty-two that you have just read, you know, that you know they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. Mm-hmm. And you might read that verse and say, well, I mean, what what is what, what is that? Well, in the very next verse, he answers yeah. what that is. Yeah. He he gives us you know a quote from the from the Old Testament that tells us that that stumbling stone was Christ, mm-hmm. and they stumbled over that. And that's exactly. That idea from their f- holding to everything physical when Jesus comes and now it is about faith, they, they tripped all over that. And, and again, mm-hmm. let's, it's, exact, it's the exact same thing today. I mean, it yep. is in every way, it's people tripping all over themselves mm-hmm. and ultimately they're tripping all over Jesus yep. because you're not putting your faith in him. And when we don't put our faith in him and who he is and all of those things, we're going to stumble at this stumbling stone just the same. And as yeah. we kind of start to get into chapter 10, when he really starts accentuating the way that Israel reacted to Jesus, yeah. you're going to see uh, really the dangers and the, really the de- devastation that comes by rejecting who he yep. is and what, and what he's brought. Yeah.
0: We'll go ahead and wrap things up there for the day. We want to thank everyone for taking a few minutes to to study through Romans chapter 9 with us. Hopefully this gives you some things to think about, and maybe you'll be able to continue your study on your own. And as always, as we mentioned at the beginning, if you have any questions about anything that you've heard us say this morning, we'd love to hear from you and, and talk more about that with you. So thank you for taking the time to study along with us. If you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, we'd love to invite you to come and be with us. We meet at the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., followed by worship at 10 a.m., and we meet again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. We also have midweek Bible study at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. So please come and join us at any of those times that you may be able to. Also, we do live stream our services. If you can't come and be with us in person, you can uh, follow us on TradersPointChurch.org See the live stream there. And this, uh, this radio show that you've been listening to uh, is also now available on Apple Podcast. So there are a lot of different ways to study along with us. If you're interested, you can search for Truth Talk or Traders Point Church of Christ on Apple Podcast. Uh, we'd love for you to follow us there as well. So thank you again for your time and we will talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.